Welcome to Through the Bible with Pastor Michael, a podcast from First Baptist Church in Mustang, Oklahoma. Here's Pastor Michael. All right, we are today in Hebrews, and we are continuing to progress through our reading of God's Word, Hebrews 7, 8, and 9 today, along with Psalm 26. And as has been true in these last couple of days in Hebrews, there is just so much good theology here, so much of Christ set before us. In fact, as I go through the five observations for today, I just want you to notice that, that all five of these observations start with the name of Christ, because that really is what this book is all about. We are meant to see Christ in His greatness, in His superiority over all things and all people, and in the, the hope that He provides for His people. So let's, let's look today, Hebrews 7, 8, and 9. Number one, Christ is compared to the priesthood of Melchizedek. Uh, this kind of um, strange figure that we read about in the Old Testament and the New Testament, um, that there's a, a little bit of, of mystery and for some confusion about who he is and, and the role that he plays. That The purpose and point here is that the Melchizedekian priesthood was superior to the Levitical priesthood. We first met Melchizedek um, in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis. Uh, Melchizedek was uh, a king of Salem. He was a, a king priest. Um, he, he appears in Genesis as he meets uh, Abraham. And it's revealed to us in Genesis that uh, Melchizedek is a, a worshiper of the Lord. Um, he, he gives a blessing to Abraham in the name of El Elyon, a name that means God Most High. Um, Abraham tithes to Melchizedek, gives him a tenth of, of all that he has um, in recognition that Melchizedek served the one true God, which tells us there were people um, in that day uh, outside of just um, Abraham and, and those that were being gathered into uh, the nation of Israel uh, that, that knew and, and worshiped the Lord. Uh, in Psalm 110, um, a psalm written by David, Melchizedek uh, appears again. And then, of course, here in the book of Hebrews, he appears. And so what we see in Melchizedek uh, is this unique type of priesthood, uh, this king priest um, priesthood that is not Levitical. Um, and, and Christ is shown here to be superior to Levitical priesthood. Uh, so that, that's an important thing to observe. Uh, it might help you today to do a little further study in Melchizedek. It might help you to go back and read um, some places where Melchizedek's name is mentioned. Um, Genesis 14, Psalm 110, uh, Hebrews 5, Hebrews 6. Um, read those passages and, and refresh yourself with, with Melchizedek. Number two, uh, Christ is the, the guarantee of a better covenant. It's chapter 7 reminds us of that, that Christ is our guarantee. Um, this, this new covenant that we have given to us in Christ, uh, he is, He's everything. Uh, Christ is our ransom. Christ is our high priest. 
Christ is our sacrifice. Christ is our uh, guarantee. Uh, Christ is our intercessor. He, he's everything. And, and that's what the book of Hebrews is doing for us. It's, it's causing us to be reminded that everything we have, we owe to Christ. Uh, we, we, can, we can believe that, but so quickly and so easily convince ourselves um, of our good works or of what we think we've earned or, or accomplished. But, but we just need to remind ourselves everything we have is in Christ. Our salvation is in Christ. Our hope is in Christ. Our security is in Christ. Uh, he is our guarantee in this better covenant. Number three, Christ saves to the uttermost. Um, I love Hebrews 7, 24 and 25, but he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. He saves you to the uttermost. He doesn't just barely save you. He doesn't just kind of save you. He doesn't almost save you. He saves you, and he saves his people to the uttermost. Completely saved, thoroughly saved, eternally saved to the uttermost. Um, what, what, a, what a beautiful promise and description of what we have in Christ there. Number four, Christ's sacrifice was once for all. Again, chapter um, 7, verse 27, Since he did this once for all, when he offered up himself. Um, so Christ saves us to the uttermost, and because that sacrifice was so perfect and so pure and so complete, it, it's, it's once for all time. Now remember, uh, Hebrews, this sermon in Hebrews, is really taking a lot of what we've just read in Leviticus and helping us to see how in this new covenant, um, all of the old covenant is pointing toward Christ as this perfect once for all sacrifice. And here the writer of Hebrews just says it very clearly for us that Christ did this once for all when he offered up himself. And then a fifth observation, Christ is coming again uh, at the end of chapter 9. Uh, it says that Christ having been offered once to bear the sins of many will appear a second time not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for Him. So we observe that Christ is coming again. So what does this mean for us? How do we apply some of these truths from these three chapters? Number one, we live with, with this application, uh, that we're, we take heart because we have a Savior who will reign forever. Uh, understand that the in the Old Covenant, the the priesthood was would continue, but it would be passed down because uh, priests would die. Christ is our high priest, is our high priest forever because uh, he, he never dies. He lives forever. He reigns forever. He rules forever. And so uh, our, our Savior, reigning and ruling forever, uh, should cause us to have great encouragement as we go through life. Another encouragement and application is be encouraged because Christ is interceding for you. Uh, the, the scripture in our text today speaks of, of Christ interceding for his people. And so, you know, we, we want to be encouraged by that, that, that we have this ministry of Christ. You know, when we think about the life of Christ, 
when we when we think about the work Christ does, our mind automatically goes to the cross, which is great. Of course, it should. Um, but Christ is doing more for us than than the cross. He's also now as being the resurrected Christ. For those of us who are believers, he also is interceding for us. So when you think of the work Christ does for you, yes, think back at what he already did. But you can also be encouraged to think of what he currently does as he intercedes for you. A third application, our sins are covered because God doesn't remember our sins against us. Our sins put upon Christ. Um, as we looked at a couple of days ago, he's our propitiation. He has satisfied God's wrath. Our sins are remembered against us no more. A fourth application, make the most of your brief life. Chapter 9, verse 27, it's appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. Make the most of your brief life. This life on earth will come to an end we will stand before the Lord. And this is a brief life. Maybe you get 20 years. Maybe you get 50. Maybe you get 80. Maybe you get 105. It's all brief. It's all brief. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. Uh, it's a mist. It's a vapor that appears and then is gone. Um, you know, so much of our life in, in the moment, you know, days feel long. Weeks feel long. Uh, a season feels long, uh, a time of suffering or sorrow or conflict feels long, but the years pass so quickly. This is a brief life. Most people uh, go through their life always intending to do something different. Most people go through life always intending, I, I'm going to get serious about spending time with my kids. I'm, I'm going to get serious about enjoying time with my spouse. I'm going to get serious about the things of God. I'm going to learn these things. I'm going to, to uh, strive to uh, accumulate these skills. Most people go through their life always thinking they've got more and more and more time, nothing but time, because the days are long, the weeks are long. Seasons are long. But then you look up and the years have passed so quickly. Well, one of the applications we take from Hebrews 9 is that life is short. Life is brief. You're going to live and you're going to die. And, and that time is going to come much more quickly than we realize. And so we want to make the most of our brief life. And then a fifth application, let's live in light of the return of Christ. Let every decision be made in, in light of the return of Christ. So if you're discouraged, uh, maybe there's a reason that, that you're frustrated. Maybe there's a reason you're disappointed. But, but take that discouragement and, and think of it this way. Look, Christ is coming again. So whatever discouragement you're facing, it's temporary. It's short. Just like your life is brief, so are your troubles. Um, 2 Corinthians calls our, our hardest days light and momentary. Christ is coming again. Deal with your discouragement in light of Christ's return. Live your life in light of Christ's return in, in, in the sense of your ministry. Um, don't, don't give up. Don't quit. Don't step on the sidelines. Christ is coming again. Um, and and whether, whether he comes and gets you, um, uh, brings you to him through death, uh, however you know, that the timing of those things works out in your life, 
uh, and his return and, and, and him taking the, the church for himself. How, however the Lord works those things out, uh, live your life in light of the fact that Christ is coming again. He's victorious. He reigns. He rules. Uh, he will have the final word. No evil on this world gets the final word. It's it's the Lord's. So live your life in light of the return of Christ. Are you doing the work today you would want to be found doing if this was your last day? If you were to meet the Lord tomorrow, are you doing today the things that you would want your life to be about? If not, then you need to learn the lesson and live the application of living your life in light of the return of Christ. So let's do every day what the Lord's called us to do. Love your kids, love your spouse, love your church, be in the Word, live your life as an act of worship, use your spiritual gifts to build the body, be generous, be gracious, be forgiving, um, seek first His kingdom, all the things the Scripture gives to us. This is live in light of the return of Christ. And if things don't go well, and if things are hard, and if you're persecuted, it uh, doesn't mean you can't hurt and grieve over that. But even those, those hurts you feel, uh, deal with those in light of the return of Christ, knowing that He's victorious, knowing that He's triumphant. And because He's triumphant, you will be triumphant. Uh, so live in light of that today. And then Psalm 26, uh, such a great psalm for us. Uh, here's my summary of it. Walk in integrity and trust the Lord without wavering. Walk in integrity and trust the Lord without wavering. Do you feel your, your faith wavering in any place? If so, um, trust the Lord. Recognize any place in your life where your faith is weak. Take that to the Lord. Confess your sins to the Lord. Confess your weakness to the Lord. Um, Seek His strength and His grace that comes from His Word. And one of the great things, and I just, I just love the marriage here between today, reading Hebrews 7, 8, 9 and Psalm 26, because in Hebrews 7, 8, 9, it's just, it's just all Christ. It's just all Jesus. And then Psalm 26 reminds us to walk and trust the Lord without wavering. And the way that we can do that is by setting our heart and our mind uh, and our thoughts on the greatness and the glory of Christ. So read Hebrews 7, 8, 9 today. Think about Christ. Think about the fact your life is brief. Think about the fact that He's coming again. Um, you have all the hope and victory you need in Jesus. He guarantees uh, all of that. And then trust the Lord uh, and walk in Him without any wavering at all. Steadfast, strong, immovable, abounding in love and in the trust and worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, be blessed today.